wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. about the role of the clitoris and how what role it plays in labor and birth? Wow, do I wish someone had asked me that question when I was pregnant years ago. I can't believe how the anatomy of the clitoris is not talked about or considered in childbirth. And the more I learn about it, the more curious I become. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. And I am so honored and thrilled today to have Margaret Jowett joining us. She first became involved in learning how birth works as a psychologist, looking at stress hormones and uterine function. Margaret did her master's in mother's experience of birth at home and in the hospital. She's passionate about bringing a scientific and engineering approach to birth to rethink the outdated and erroneous obstetric model of birth. When I first read her article, The Clitoris in Labor, I was so intrigued. She was the first person to write about the role of the clitoris in labor that I know of. So I know we're all in for an eye-opening discussion today. Welcome, Margaret. Pleased to meet you. Thank you for inviting me. It's, it's very exciting to talk about this, which is still unknown, unknown, and unacknowledged, and I'm gobsmacked, mind blown. Totally. But they're still not thinking about it. Isn't that amazing? Like, your article has changed how so many people think about childbirth. It's certainly when I first read it, I was jumping up and down. So, can you tell us a little bit more? Like, I read a bit about your background, but what brought you to the point to consider the primary function of the clitoris in childbirth? Well, I came to it rather late, really. I start, I mean, I wanted to know how birth works because I had such a wonderful, I had a wonderful home birth and wanted to, I wanted to know why home birth was wonderful and hospital birth wasn't. And I thought it was something to do with hormones. So I researched that and I talked to women. I did my master's talking to the women about, about what, 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 what mattered to them, what they thought it was all about. And the most salient point from that was it was all about control. Control, that's the key, really. They said, and I think it was, and that's where the hormonal bits come in. But having done, having done that and having looked at stress hormones, which is where the control comes in. I, I, I wanted to know how they affected the uterus. And I spent the next, really, 10 and a half years, 10 years, 15 years, looking at the uterus and the effect of stress hormones on that. And, and I was coming across more and more people's work. Jean Sutton, particularly. I met her once about 20 years ago. She came to London and she did a most wonderful presentation showing how babies were born through this curved tube. She had a drain pipe with a curve at the bottom of it and, uh, and showed how the baby got round. So I started thinking about position and 
I suppose engineering, she had a very engineering type brain. She thought about things in 3D. Uh, we don't think about birth in 3D nearly enough. So that was Jean Sutton. So obviously, whenever I came across anything written by her, I read that. And in 2000, she wrote a paper for the Practicing Midwife, a, a, British, a British midwifery magazine, advocating a role for the G-spot in labour, thinking that, that the G-spot was associated with orgasm and orgasm was associated with birth and that orgasm was for birth, if you like. So that was really when I first started thinking about the clitoris because obviously we're the clitoris and the G-spot do the, serve the same function in a way if the G-spot does actually exist, which it's an area, really. It's, it's not an anatomical thing. It's feelings of the clitoris through the vaginal tissues through the urethra, and so it's an area that can be decided to find, but it doesn't have different type cells or anything. It's just that nerves can feel through that through that module tissue that is there still, um, and it will it'll vary from person to person, I suppose, and it'll vary as to what what is inside the vagina and, and where it's pushing and how hard it's pushing and all sorts of things. I don't know. <laughs> It's good fun. It's good fun. We have a good laugh talking about the clitoris in labor. But so then the next step, I suppose probably 10 years later than that, even, 10 years after meeting Jean and starting to think about this, about orgasm and birth, I came across Helen McConnell's paper on the anatomy of the clitoris. And she'd kept, as I say in the article that you've read, she kept failing her anatomy exams because... They think they thought she was getting the clitoris wrong, so she thought, "Well, I'll go and have a look." And she dissected. She dissected, isn't it? MRI scans in whatever she, way she could, whatever media method she could use to find out more about the three D nature of the clitoris. Really, so that was all very interesting. It, it wasn't really my area. I, I, it was interesting, but okay, fine. But then I read an article in Video Free Today by an Israeli midwife, I think, Ruti Kami Horowitz, who divided labour into three stages, but she divided each stage into three phases. And her description of one of the phases was so like orgasm that I thought, well, of course, it is orgasm. I like to think that the orgasm of birth is... The orgasm of sex is a mini version of the orgasm of birth. Now, I, I'm not aware of having had orgasms in my birth. Not, I'm not even aware of having fetal injection reflexes, which is probably what's associated with it. I think I'm probably rather a repressed sort of person, and uh, probably my births were good. They were good births, but I wouldn't call them, I wouldn't call them ecstatic or orgasmic. I certainly enjoyed them, and I felt the huge sense of euphoria after each one. The magnificence of producing a baby out of your own body is just so wonderful. But not, not orgasmic and not, not ecstatic. I, I, I'm sorry, it would be nice, and I'd quite like to have another go, but I'm a bit old now. I did. I mean, my last birth, actually, uh, it's a bit of an aside. Take it out if you like. I had serial blood sampling in our home dirt and coupled with salivary samples, 
to see if we can find that if there was, you could measure endorphin levels in blood through the, the saliva. But it was too quick a labor. Didn't, we didn't get enough samples. Really. It's a shame. So I'm, I'm a great believer in hands on. Hands-on observation, but only for myself. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to inflict that on anyone ever. Sorry, I'm digressing a bit. But the thing is, the point is, we don't observe birth properly. I think if we had observed it, if the scientists observed birth properly, videoed it, analysed the video, talked to women, find out how they felt, I think we'd have got. A far greater understanding of birth. I think midwives get it because they see so many, but the obstetricians don't see normal labor. They don't see normal birth. They're not needed as a normal birth. And I think the information just hasn't got to, into the textbooks. It hasn't got there. It hasn't got out into the full literature. It's not been studied. We don't know the science of birth. It's not an official science of birth. It's, it's women like me and probably like you finding out, piecing together bits of information from here, there and everywhere, listening to women, listening to what they're talking about and trying to build a better picture of what's really happening. And I think, I think if we could do that, we could make birth better for everyone. I mean, I'd like birth. I think if we can understand how birth works, we can facilitate it better. We can make the conditions better so that you don't have to have a home birth to get a decent birth. You can have one in hospital because they will know, the hospitals will know how to provide the right environment. I'm, I'm digressing hugely. So no, but but that's fantastic. And I have to say, I love how you've built a storyline of how different people started coming to it and you've gathered that information. So I want to take you to what stunned me in your article is really that title, like the clitoris's role in labor. So as you were piecing this together, right? Like, as I say, birth is a part of our sexuality and that's been stripped and sterilized away often more likely in that hospital environment. But Help us understand the clitoris's role. What, what do you, how do you describe that? I describe it is absolutely crucial because of where it is. Where it is, it, it, it's anchored to the, pu- to the bones, the, the V of bones at the pubic arch. I'll just archify my hands a bit. There's, it's attached to the bones and the baby is born by pivoting the back of his neck at that pubic arch. And that's where the clitoris is. So try and tell me it's not involved in birth. And I'm sorry, but I don't believe you. you you're not going to tell me that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't see why the anatomists and Wikipedia, I looked today just before talking to you, I looked on Wikipedia about the role of the, of the clitoris. It's just to do with female sexuality, but it's not mentioned. It might have a role in reproduction. It's crucial. It's crucial because it prepares the body, the woman's body. The baby tells the woman's body what to do when. The baby switches a switch. It's a switch. That's all it is. On the inside, we've got a bit on the outside, and that's good fun. 
baby doesn't actually access the bit on the outside that we know about. But the baby switches a switch and our anatomy changes to give him a lovely cushiony, cushiony, a cushion for his head on the way out. Oh, I wrote this down. I wrote this down. Let me get to my notes. Let me get to my notes. Five things I did I have. Yeah. So orgasm this is. Well, pressing the activating the clitoris leads to orgasm, which is accompanied by before or after. I'm not quite sure we're getting the time scale, but we have engorgement of the whole of the clitoris, cushioning the baby's head, cushioning the tender bits of the baby's head against the fourth of birds, really. I mean, baby's heads are pretty resilient, but they still want a bit of cushioning. Women's nether regions are amazing that they stretch and stretch and stretch, but they could st they still need to be able to stretch without tearing, for example. I think the swelling of the other bits of the clitoris, the crook that the the vestibular bulbs are also called, as well as the bulbs of the clitoris, probably shuts off at the urethra so you don't pee. I mean Right, okay. When I have an orgasm, you have to sort of switch on your peeing apparatus afterwards, don't you? As far as I can remember from, <laughs> good God, I don't know. And this is going on YouTube, you say? Never mind. <laughs> Cut that good out of So that's one. We've got the, the cushioning, the cushioning effect of all the engorgement of the blood in the clitoris, but it's the nervous signal that is really the, the key. And I had read a lot about that nervous signal because I had read as much as I possibly could about how birth worked. And most physiologists think that oxytocin is released through either the stretching the cervical muscles or the vaginal muscles. And I think they're both wrong. I think it's the I think it's the 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 glitter being distended that, that sends that nervous signal up and that they've confused the whole they're all so close together, particularly in rats, which, which is how they usually measure things. Put a glass rod. I don't think they do this as much as they used to, but a glass rod will, you can't pressurize the cervix or the vagina without press, pressurizing clitoris as well, so that they might easily have got confused and thought that it, it was the cervix or the vagina. But I think probably it's all the clitoris. And there's certainly it's huge nerves that's visible to the naked eye, 8,000 nerve, nerve endings going straight up to the hypothalamus, letting the oxytocin down again in a huge surge that we're all aware of that makes our face flush. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the largest nerve in the human body. I'm, I'm sorry, but nature might love us, but I don't think nature loves us enough for that nerve only to be used for sex. I think it, it serves a primary reproductive function if you're talking sort of pure science and biology yeah ah. right so that's the nerve so what else do they do so we've got this nerve traveling up to the brain oxytocin coming down again which leads to huge uterine contraction so the uterus ch changes its way of operation it's getting bombarded with oxytocin from all sides in a huge dose just dear, as pitocin does, it's such a waste to fuse pitocin before it's. Oh, it's not the way to introduce labor. Well, 
No, it's not. So we've got the, it contracts the uterus. It floods the brain with oxytocin. So you're feeling, that's where your feelings of euphoria come from and the bonding. And I think, I don't know whether it affects the breast as well, or it might. I don't know. I'll leave that bit out. I'll leave that bit out. So you're, the, the mother's brain and her body is getting ready to welcome a baby into the world. It's just wonderful. And we have these involuntary vaginal contractions, which can't quite work out quite what they're for. I think they might hold they might hold the back of the head, the fetal head in place while the while the face swings round the sacrum. I'm not sure. I want other people to think about this too. Jean Sutton, when I met her, was really cross with me because I said I hadn't got a 3D brain. Well, I haven't really. I'm not very good at thinking in 3D. There are other people who are much better, and I'd love them to have a think about this as well. I've had to look and look and look at illustrations. and But I think partly that's why I got there in the end. I had to think harder than people who could just see it happening. I don't know. Anyway. This is so the- fascinating. I just want to jump in here too, because when... What you're talking about is the role of the clitoris and the clitoral nerves and, you know, cushioning the expansion of blood flow is creating a softness and a cushion for the baby, shooting that as we know. And we did do an episode with Dr. Sarah Buckley too about the hormones. So then that's triggering that release of hormones in the brain, the oxytocin coming back down. And I love how you're saying too, that that's a part of potentially, I love how your brain is working to help that baby to rotate as well. So all these things are coming together due to the clitoral nerves coming in contact with that baby's head. But that's right. I want to jump ahead because one thing you said in some of your work that also really like impacted me and goes back to kind of our over-medicalized management of birth is that in hospitals in particular, people don't always have freedom of movement. And you talked about the positions being also really important of that mother, right? What the ways that she moves to kind of facilitate this. Can you talk about that? I can, I can. I mean, I think the uterus works with the baby to, for the rotation. I think that the crucial thing is that the baby, to the beginning of second stage, the beginning of the descent, the baby's head starts to go through the cervix and the baby has to, it's much, much better if the baby is in the perfect position. And I think that's what first stage is all about. Second stage is all about the pushing down. So until, oh gosh, it's a whole other story, really. So, with, but if we're coming to second stage, the important thing is that it's the back of the baby's head, which is impinging on where the clitoris is. And the baby's head has a weight, it has gravity, it has pressure, it exerts pressure. And it, the mother, for it to exert the most pressure, the mother's got to have her symphysis pubis nearer the floor than her sacrum. The baby's head has got to fall backwards as it's being born. The, the back, and if she's on her back, if she's on her back, 
the risk of the baby's face falling into the sacrum means that the baby's head isn't exerting enough pressure where it needs to elicit that huge boost of oxytocin and get born. And babies get stalled. Even the second stage takes forever because the baby's not pressing the button because the because it's the weight of his head and the pressure of his head that's pressing that button. And if the mother's on her back, it's he's just not in the right place. It's too far away. The light switch is too far away for me to switch it off. And it's it's sinful almost that we don't know this because so many women are having to give birth on their backs with their legs up in the air, with that baby's head almost as far away as it could possibly be in terms of being able to exert pressure. I mean, dear, 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 and I can't talk about masturbation. It makes a difference how you do it as to how effective it is and what happens. And personally, I never had an orgasm with a man. It would have been nice, but it just didn't happen to me. That's why I think that it's... I, I do have orgasms. It does work. The mechanism is there, but it's just that the, I, I never happened to have a man who managed to invoke it that way. Because pressure, where the pressure is exerted, what I'm saying is that where the pressure is exerted makes a difference. And that pressure's got to be exerted by the baby's head, and it's much easier if the woman is leaning forward or on all fours so that the, babe, the gravity of the baby's head can press in the right place. And, of course, the other thing is that the baby's head, uh, did I say that the baby's head can be too far back and fall into the sacrum and then need rescuing by forceps? The baby gets into an awkward position. If you keep as forward-leaning, that's the way I think that babies are designed to come out and that women's bodies are designed to let go of them. I mean, humans are the only people with the only primates with a, this bend in the birth canal. And the way they get round the bend is by having the, the pubic arch to tuck the head underneath. Chimpanzees don't have an arch at all. They're just flat across the bottom. Well, as if this pubes it. If you start looking at the anatomy, it shouts at you. Not enough people are. And the people who are looking at it are men who haven't had the experience of giving birth and haven't needed to think about it and have been influenced by all the generations of male physiologists and anatomists before them. I mean, it's significant that it was Helen O'Connell, a female urologist, doctor, who started looking at the clitoris. And I think we need the female mind. We need female experience in all of this. In all, until we start talking to women um, about how birth works, we're not. We're going to be stuck in the the middle of the last century, believing what the men tell us about our own bodies. Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, really important, Margaret. And you know, I have to say, as a doula and an educator, and being at hundreds of births myself, and that I've always talked about the need for people to move in labor, right? To get up. I always say. Stand and deliver. Don't take it yes. lying down, right? And listening to that body. And we know from the science that we have healthier outcomes for babies when we're not on our back and that people have shorter stages of pushing. But no one, till you said this right now, 
ever explained it to me that it is that leaning forward that's actually touching those that clitoral complex. And I love how you say kind of pushing the button, getting those nerves, increased oxytocin, creating that cushion, and really helping people birth their baby. And I'm just so grateful you're talking about this because we haven't had the discussions before. We haven't had the women involved. And I think even as women, sexuality is often taboo and it's been taboo certainly around birth and motherhood. So you adding this in is so important. So I know a lot of our listeners are probably having these same moments like me right now going, wow, you know, why didn't I know that? So if you were talking to someone who's pregnant today, what are some of the things they can consider and how they prepare to be aware of the clitoris and be aware of ways that they can optimize their own experience. I don't have a lot of contact with pregnant women. I'm a bit of a background person. But whenever anyone does ask me, it's always, I just keep off the bed, really. Keep off the bed. Move as you want to move. Move as you can get comfortable. Pain is there if you've got pain. The only thing you can do about pain is press it or move until ease it somehow. And the ways we have of easing pain without drugs, I mean, I'm not saying don't use drugs because some people need them and that's fine. Yeah, moving, move away from the pain, press against the pain and keep off the bed. I think keep off the bed is the most, the best thing we could do, really. Best advice for anyone, you know, have a midwife, don't be pushed around. Don't be tied down. You want to feel free as well as be free. And it's your body doing the work. You're the one who's doing the work. You're the only one not getting paid for it, but you're the one doing the work. And you should, you should be able to dictate your working conditions. So I think it's a question of psyching yourself up, convincing yourself giving yourself enough strength, tell people what you want. Don't take no for an answer. Don't let them, oh, no, no, we're just going to do this and we're just going to do that. And you no, you say what you want, what you don't want. You're the one doing the work. You set the parameters, but it's hard. It's hard and it seems to be getting harder. But for second stage, certainly never get into the foster me for second stage. All these terrible terms they have. It's because we're giving birth in the wrong position and the wrong bit is tearing. Pressure's on the wrong bit and it's not designed to stretch at the back. It's designed to stretch and ease and designed to be lubricated in the front. This is so helpful, Margaret. I know we're coming down to the end of time and I could spend hours with you on this <laughs> subject because I think it's so, so needed. But I know for people that are listening who want to get in touch with you and follow you and read more of your work, where can people find you? Right. Well, it, I have an email. I have an email, margaret.jowett at talktalk.net. But I, I do have a website at the moment, which is birthupright, all one word, .co.uk. And there's a little animation 
on YouTube of the evolution of the pelvis, really, and about a chair I designed for birthing upright, for getting off the bed. And that, that's birth upright YouTube, all, all one word. And I'm also, right, this is what I wanted to write down. I'm also a member of the Association of Radical Midwives. I'm on this theory group. And they have a website, midwifery.org, and you can contact me through that website because they'll just forward it on to me. So midwifery.org.uk. And there's just wonderful people. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I think that the work you're doing is so important. Your explanation today has really impacted me and I'm sure for all the listeners. So I hope everyone out there, we'd love to know what your favorite takeaway is. Please tag us on social media at Orgasmic Birth. What are you going to bring into your birth with this knowledge of the role of the clitoris in labor and birth? So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Margaret, so much. And to all our listeners, we really appreciate your feedback. So we hope to hear your comments and thoughts. Wishing you pleasure. <laughs> and you, and you. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.